from the Bible. Um, as well said, sort of at the outset, that the high point of what we do together is to read from God's Word. So we're going to be reading from Proverbs 27, verses 1 to 9 this morning. You might look that up. And then we're going to have a look uh, at John 15. Uh, why don't I lead us in prayer as we come to God's Word? Lord God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that through it you speak to us. Help us to listen and, uh, and to apply it in our lives. Amen. So Proverbs 27, verses 1 to 9. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that fleets its nest is anyone who flees from home. Like a bird who flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. So then turning to John, John 15, 9 to 17. I've got a huge Bible here to help me read. Um, 15, 9 to 17. Um, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command love each other. Well, good morning, 10 a.m. Good to see you here. Where there is an outline on the uh, back of the bulletin, which you can follow along with, uh, but we're going to get into thinking about friendship. There is a story told of Shah Abbas of Persia, a king-like figure, who was frustrated at his inability to make friends. Whenever he met people, they would bow down to him in respect and fear. So he found it impossible to develop real intimacy with anyone. He therefore decided to take off his royal robes and to go to the servants' quarters in disguise to see who he could meet. Right at the bottom of the palace, he found the stoker who kept the fire burning, which was heating the building. They chatted and got on so well that Abbas continued to go to him over many weeks and they became very close. After a while, he thought it was time to reveal his true identity. I am Abbas, 
Yosha, he said. You are my friend. So I want to give you anything you ask for, up to half my kingdom. The stoker replied, you have already given me the most precious thing this life affords, your friendship. I ask for nothing more. I read that story in Vaughan Roberts' book, True Friendship. It's a great short book on friendship, and it really is worth a read. Uh, lots of the quotes from today's sermon is from that book. Uh, but the first time I read that story, a big smile appeared on my face because I started to think of my friends. I record some of the things I'd done with my friends. Uh, one of my favourite memories is when we went to a Pearl Jam concert, which really lands for this congregation only, um, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, they hadn't toured in a long time, it was 2003, so me and three of my mates went to Pearl Jam. And one of my favourite memories was when we stood on the chairs, arms around each other, yelling, singing, you can't find a better man. And you know what? I believed it. My friends who were on either side of me, I did not think I could find better men. But soon after recalling that memory, my smile faded because as we grew older and we grew in responsibility, so did our time apart. And the first time I realized I was spending less time with friends, I was really quite sad. I was shocked by this new reality. But then over time, as I got more used to not spending time with friends, it became normal. I maybe even started thinking, I can do life without friends. And I wonder if that is a common thought for many people. Uh, even if we don't think it, many show it by the way we live working, achieving, serving, but often not deepening real intimacy with friends. But God's word speaks to us today and he calls us, all of us, to friendship. We are in the book of Proverbs. Uh, you're probably familiar now, these are the words of a king to a son. The king is preparing his son to live a wise life and to rule a righteous kingdom that is filled with God's love and faithfulness. It's tempting to read Proverbs as a self-help book, but it's a kingdom help book. It's a book that forms a community of people. Uh, so far, we've looked at a few different themes. We've looked at how we use our words, uh, how we interact as family. Uh, last week, what it means to be an apathetic sluggard. Uh, when you think about those things, you can kind of see why they're so important. Our words fill our lives, our family take up our time. These things play a very important thing in building a righteous kingdom. But now we come to the theme of friendship. Now, if I was a king talking to a son about how to establish a kingdom, I'm not sure I would have thought about friendship. But straight away, this shows us how necessary friends are. Friends are necessary in God's kingdom. And that's really the first point today. It's a pretty brief one. We need friends. I was chatting to Lachlan Orr, the minister at the Camaray Congregation last week about friendship. And he mentioned our need for friendship is a funny one. A lot of our needs, if they're not met quickly, have an immediate consequence. If we don't drink water, if we don't eat food, if we don't find shelter, our bodies will deteriorate. We will click quickly know that our needs are not being met. But friendship, it's not like that. We can go a long time without deep friendship and not realize the effect it's having on us. Often, we'll become aware of our need for friendship when a crisis comes and we either have someone to turn to or we don't. But we do need friends. 
In Proverbs, friendship is assumed. There is no call for the son to go and make friends. Rather, friendship is an expected part of God's world, an expected part of God's kingdom. Why is that? It's because of who God is. Christopher Ashe wrote this, God has no need for friendship. Within the eternal fellowship of love, that is the three-in-one God, there is a perfection, a beauty, and sufficiency of friendship, and more, that needs no addition from the outside. God has no need of us. His love overflows and draws us into fellowship with himself. He has no need of our friendship. But while God has no need of friendship outside the fellowship of the Trinity, we do. See, if we think we can go it alone, if we think we can do life without deep friendship or relationship, then without realising it, we've made ourselves like God, all sufficient in ourselves. But we are not God. We need others, and others need us. We need friends, and we need to be friends to others. And I think this is a really important starting point. Friends aren't the optional extra to bring a bit of spice to life. Friends are part of God's design for this world. They're an essential part in the building of his kingdom. So with that starting point, what does Proverbs teach us about friends? Well, second thing, we need a few faithful friends. Uh, Facebook, uh, it's been around for 15 years now. Here's a young Mark Zuckerberg. And I wonder like, what impact Facebook has had on how we view friends. For one, to become a friend on Facebook is really easy. Click a button. And then to end a friendship is even easier. Unfollow, don't even tell them. Uh, there's a very, very little investment in Facebook friends. And the other thing that's funny about Facebook is that it's quantity rather than quality that really matters. So how has Facebook shaped the last generation when we come to think of friendship? How does it stack up with God's wisdom on friendship? Proverbs 18.24. <clears throat> a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In this proverb, there's a contrast. There is the many companions and a friend. A companion is a run-of-the-mill friend. I suppose we could call it a Facebook-only friend. Uh, these companions are quite superficial. We meet friends like this in Proverbs. We read about how wealth brings new friends and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. These types of friends aren't true friends. They're in it for themselves, to get what they can. They're with you when it's good, but nowhere to be found when it's bad. Later in Proverbs, friends like this are described as a bad tooth or a lame foot. In other words, they're useless. And so in 1824, a man of many companions, superficial friends, may come to ruin. And this probably doesn't mean that they cause his ruin, but they're not there for him when he needs help. In contrast to these many companions, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Given the context of Proverbs, uh, where families are a big deal, this is a wild statement. There is someone that is closer than your blood, who is there for you all the time, when you fall and when you rise. This friend sticks with you. They hold fast to you. To hold fast to someone is very significant language in the Bible. In actual fact, it's what God's people were called to do. They were called to hold fast, stick close to God. Deuteronomy 10, 20, 
Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast, stick close to him and take your oaths in his name. Or 11 verse 22, love the Lord your God, walk in obedience, hold fast, stick close to him. God's people were called to hold fast to God in good times and bad times. In thick and thin, they were called to remain faithful to God. And now in Proverbs 18, 24, there is a friend who sticks close, holds fast like no other. A friend who is closer than blood. They're not in friendship for what they can get. They're not Facebook only friends who can unfollow you with a click of a button. They're in this friendship for you through thick and thin. They are faithful. I think that's the defining quality of friends or friendship in Proverbs, maybe even in the whole Bible. Abraham, who is known for his faith, is one of the few people in the Bible who are referred to as God's friend. Friends are faithful. They're godlike in their commitment to each other. They reflect the love and faithfulness of God in their friendships. And they're precious. You put this all together and we can see how honourable and excellent friendship is. I sometimes see friendship as a distant second or third to other relationships. But as I read Proverbs, I don't think I can hold that view anymore. I wonder how this thinking of faithful friends makes you feel. Maybe some of you are like Aunt and Ian are thankful. Yes, I have a friend who sticks closer than blood. Uh, maybe some of you feel sad because you wish you had someone who held fast to you. Or shame because you have not been a faithful friend. What are we to do? Well, first know this. You have a friend in Jesus. I, I think that sounds a little cheesy, but I was rebuked at 8 a.m. But it's true. You have a friend in Jesus who sticks close like no other. I, mean, I rarely think of Jesus as my friend. I think of him as Lord. I think of him as Savior. But Jesus is the most excellent of friends. He is a friend of sinners. The Pharisees use that phrase to insult him, but it is a beautiful description of Jesus. He's a friend of sinners, of people like you and me. Jesus said in our John 15 reading, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus is faithful to the point of death. Jesus sticks close and holds fast, even when we are most undeserving. Jesus is constant in his presence. Jesus is there for us, even when there is no one else to turn to. Jesus sticks closer than no other. Jesus is the friend we all need. And so, 10 a.m., be thankful for Jesus. And in your possible discontentment with friendship, hold fast to Jesus, because he holds fast to you. But this proverb, <clears throat> it does teach us something really important about friendship. Friendship of this sort is few. Proverbs 18.24 does not read, there are many who stick closer than blood, it reads, there is a friend who sticks close. I don't think that means we all only have one bestie, but I think it suggests, rather than spreading yourself thin, trying to be friends with everyone you meet, intentionally invest in a few friends. Invest your precious commodity of time in something we all need. Invest time in friends. Because time is needed to grow deep friendship. 
Augustine wrote this, the desire for friendship comes quickly, friendship does not. Pretty simple kind of quote, but really quite profound. The desire for friendship comes quickly, friendship does not. What does that mean for us? I imagine it at least means carving out time this week, and if you're married, have a bit of a calendar meeting and plan time with friends. Even just planning a phone call with a friend is a great start. If you're not sure who your friends are, the task before you might be daunting, and the journey before you, probably long, but start the journey of growing faithful, deep friendship. It might be tempting to wait for people to come to you, but Vaughan Roberts wisely writes, the secret of friendship is just the secret of all spiritual blessings. The way to get is to give. So be bold, be vulnerable, and take a step towards friendship, looking first to give rather than receive. I imagine for some the thought of investing times in friends may seem a little overwhelming, like if our life is an A4 piece of paper, most of us have filled our piece of paper and there's no margin left. There's no time to add in new things. Time is a very precious resource. And so if we're gonna make time count, if it's gonna be worth our investment, what should we do? Well, I think, this is kind of a bit more briefly, there's a few things we can do to invest our time well. First, choose wise friends, choose wise friends. This is where friendship is really different from family. Uh, you're stuck with your family, for good or ill, but you choose your friends. Uh, often friendships arise from things you have in common or your personalities just kind of click. Uh, it kind of shows you that friendship is a real gift from God. It's a really beautiful thing. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He chooses some rather odd things to have in common. Uh, friendships must be about something. Friendships must be about something. Even if it only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Anyone? Dominoes? White mice? Uh, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travellers. So it might be that you form your friendships based on things you love. Reading, football, cycling, crocheting, coffee drinking. But as you choose to invest the precious commodity of time, it's wise to invest in fellow travelers, those who are heading towards the same eternal goal. 1226 Proverbs, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I often see these Proverbs play out in the life of children. Our friends have such an obvious impact on children. It was true for me, I never liked basketball, but then I became friends with someone who liked basketball and suddenly I was wearing a Phoenix Suns jersey, it was going down to my knees and playing basketball all that I could. Uh, but you know, that's a light example. I've spoken to heaps of parents uh, who have watched their children, sadly, walk away from Jesus, largely due to the influence of their friends. It's funny how we can see it so clearly in children but not always as quickly in ourselves. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Walking is not a picture of just going for a Sunday stroll like you might do today. Walking is journeying through life together. It's the constant shoulder to shoulder traveling towards our heavenly home. If, you are a fellow, if your fellow traveler is wise, then you'll become wise. 
their thinking will rub off on you, their desires will start influencing you, and their words will correct and motivate you. I've seen this happen in my own life. As soon as I finished school, my Bible study leader at the time urged me and my mates to form a prayer group. There were about 10 of us. We met every two weeks for quite some time after school, and we still occasionally meet now. Admittedly, in those younger years, we weren't the wisest. We did some pretty silly things, but we were wise enough to pray with each other, and we were wise enough to talk about Christian things. 20 years later, all of us, except one, are still walking with the wise, still Christian, still heading for our heavenly home. Now, in my experience as a youth minister, that statistic is not common. To only have one person not following the Lord, have nine of us in Jesus, is truly a gift. And I take it, by God's grace, part of the reason is that we walked with the wise. Uh, so if you have children who are finishing school, which I know there are some of you, encourage them, form a prayer group, and keep meeting so as you invest your time, choose to walk with the wise, your brothers and sisters in Jesus. And lastly, speak wise words. I mean, you've got this precious commodity of time. You've decided I'm going to spend time with wise friends. You might go, oh, let's just spend this time doing what we love doing. I'll just, let's just spend this time catching up all the times we haven't caught up recently. But really, the context of friendship is the place to speak words, speak wise words. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6 Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words, wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This is getting you know, things completely the wrong way around if you read it. Uh, normally it's kisses from a friend and it's wounds from an enemy. But here a faithful friend wounds. A faithful friend loves, not just in thought, not just in action, but in their open, non-deceptive words. A faithful friend speaks truth. This shows us one of the key purposes of friendship. For sure, friendship is there for you to you know, support them and for you to be supported through thick and thin, but also friendship is needed so we can all grow in love and faithfulness. If a friend is not gonna speak the truth to you, who will? Gordon MacDonald wrote this, there is a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be, as they say, myself, but what I really need are relationships in which I will be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little each day. I don't want to be myself I was yesterday. I want to be myself that is developing each day to be a more Christ-like person. So in our friendships, in our precious time, let's speak wise, loving, and truthful words. Let's grow each other up in Christ. But wise words don't only wound. You might have picked this up in our Bible reading. They also bring intimacy and delight. Proverbs 27, 9 perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from heartfelt device, advice. Perfume and cologne are often associated with romance and intimacy. Perfume and cologne or they are the, the scent of closeness and passion. Uh, in our culture often perfume and passion and closeness is connected with sex. But here, it's the words of a friend that are passionate and intimate. It's showing us that we can have intimate friendships 
that did not have to find their fulfillment in sex. Rather, intimacy can be expressed in our words. It's beautiful. The counsel we give to friends, far from being distracted, are words that come from one heart to another. You know, one of my favorite memories is when I was going through a rough time and I was telling a mate about it. We were living together in one of the dodgiest looking houses in Cremorne. If you drove through Cremorne, you'd be able to find it. Uh, we were on the balcony and the balcony always looked a little unsafe. But as I told my story about the hardships I was going through, my friend stomped his foot on the balcony and it wobbled side to side. And there was something so right in that moment while I was having a terrible time in life, my friend's passion, along with the words he later spoke, brought great joy to my heart. It's this kind of passionate, heartfelt friendship we need and we can give. See, brothers and sisters, God's wisdom teaches us that we need friends and that we need to be friends to others. Friendship, it's not like the, the optional extra. It's essential to building and growing God's righteous kingdom, to building a kingdom that reflects God's love and faithfulness. So let's start or maybe continue that slow journey of building deep, faithful friendship. Let's be faithful friends who stick closer than blood. Let's be faithful friends who speak wise words that wound and bring delight. Let's be faithful friends who remind each other of Jesus Christ, the one who laid his life down for his friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ is Lord and Jesus Christ is Saviour and he is also our friend. I thank you for the friendship he has given us and I thank you that he sticks close like no other. Father, we pray and give you thanks for friendships you have given us. And we also pray that you would grow us in our friendships. Help us to be speaking wise words. Help us to stick close to those whom you've given us. And help us all to use these friendships to grow up in Jesus. Amen.